Hi there. I just wanted to say thank you for tuning back into, I guess, season two of uh, Ask Mom and Dad. Whereas we're just getting started, I just wanted to say something before we start the episode. Um, this is a honest dialogue between two people just trying to work it out. Um, the root of who we are, our faith, is very important to us. And so whatever you hear in the course of this conversation or um, perceive in a moment, I would encourage you to hang on to the end. And I hope that by the time you persevere through to the very end of our conversation, you'll have your heart where our heart is, that we are just two people who love others because of what Jesus has done and how he loves us. And we want to find a way to make that love happen and endure in the world. So I want to thank you again for taking the time to listen. And here is season two, episode one of Ask Mom and Dad. Yeah, it has been a while. I mean, let's do it this way. Welcome to season two oh, of <laughs> Ask Mom and Dad. It a few years to get back it, we, to We've been on our summer break. We've been summer break, well, our pandemic break. We've been, um, we it knew in December when we did our last podcast that something was going to go wonky. And so we just said, you know, let's just forget it until. We're not that prophetic. No, we're not that prophetic. I'm not that prophetic anyway. I do like to think I'm. Pathetic sometimes, but maybe not prophetic. I mean, there's a thetic in there. I'm just not sure which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, this is uh, a reasonable time for. I've been asking ever since we started doing the podcast. Wow, we're about 25, you know, in. Wonder when? When do you call it season two? And in my personality, apparently, season two is when you just kind of have some bump in the road that keeps you from continuing it, and therefore you just keep avoiding it or just not doing it or making excuses. Or there's a season that you just can't do it, so you start the next season. Okay, that makes sense. I, yeah, I think more planned people do it that way. I think for, um, <laughs> for me, it just seems like it's something we're getting around to. And gosh, there's been so much to talk about. And um, it's almost like, well, what is the ask mom and dad question of the day? Well, we didn't have a We've had a lot of questions, and of course, everything's been right now is around COVID nineteen because it's the most important. Oh wait, no, it's not. It's it's around <laughs> what happened a couple of weeks ago in in Minnesota, and um, that's fair. There was an injustice that appears to have been done, and we so are having a conversation sake, about it. You should probably yeah. go ahead and tell what happened for posterity's sake, because people won't forget. Oh, oh well, if we listen to this ten years later. We might not remember. No, I don't. Yeah, um, <laughs> let me tell me tell us about it. Well, what? Thanks to our uh, social media craze, we it was sent around a viral video, a uh, video that went viral, of a um, police officer with his knee on the neck of a black man underneath a car. Three or four other police officers standing around, no one doing anything. The man ended up um, dying, and they said it was when he was uh, he was pronounced dead at the hospital. But there were comments on the video later. They discovered that were that he couldn't breathe then. So there's just a obvious, uh, they said it was almost nine minutes, eight minutes, 46 seconds or something that he was down there. He said words like, I can't breathe and whatever. There was a lot of different details that who knows um, what was actually going on because we weren't there. But from the video, it's pretty obvious. There was yeah, it seems pretty something open and shut. Not, not right there. Yeah. But well. the bottom line is there's, always different pieces to the story so you tend to if you're me you tend to give the officer um benefit of the doubt and hope that it wasn't as bad as it looks you know obviously later we found out that um the officer did have some already uh accusations made against him on previous occasions it sounds like of, of either going crossing lines or whatever but who knows and um not much to be said, really, because when you're just observing a video, to me, you can't really take, uh, that's not the full story. So it's not up to us. I believe it's up to a judge to make those calls, but especially after the evidence has been presented. Well, In the I meantime, mean, it's yeah. a national affair now because uh, this man has been proclaimed basically a hero, and, and now we need to consider all the uh, racist type of actions in our country once again <laughs> they said on the radio just a few minutes ago biggest uh um, civil civil rights movement in history now 
because I guess it trumps, uh, I mean, literally, haha, goes above and beyond Martin Luther King times. I don't know. That's what it kind of sounded like they were saying. Was it, when you, I'm, I was I didn't hear that, so I'm not privy to. I don't know. There was nothing more than it was kind of a headline in the. You're saying it's bigger than what happened in Selma just and things back bigger, in Martin Luther King days. It said biggest ever. So I don't know who was talking. I don't know what that reference is. I'm not sure why, but I, that's what went through it's, my mind. <laughs> I, I think it's fair to say it's definitely. Or? It's fair to say that there's more as much upheaval as uh, there yeah. was. In the days where it was... Because you know, social media can carry it everywhere now, I guess. People can be more okay, aware of it. Okay, now it's worldwide. Maybe. So, yeah, maybe I think that makes a lot of sense. Because we had protests over the weekend in London and, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, France. And, I mean, just wherever you looked, there was somebody, you know, saying... Doing that, their own version yeah. of... Yeah. And then, of course, the the outrage of what happened um, is... in it, it, I mean... Injustice is real, and and I and I addressed this on Sunday when I spoke, and I was was trying to you know bring us to the reality of racism and what it is in our culture, and that's the, that's the conversation right now, with, you know, as you're saying, as you're bringing us up to speed, you know, the term is systemic racism, and <laughs> yeah, I was systemic racism is uh, racism that is that is built into systems that tend to alienate or um, create a, a advantage that dis- disfavors a, a, a person. Um, so uh, it's interesting. I was reading an article right before um, you got here from uh, the, uh, is it the uh, United States conference of Catholic bishops that released today and it. And they list, uh, you know, still advances. It says that discrimination based on race and ethnicity takes a lot of forms. The United States has made progress in eliminating some of institutional legalized racial discrimination of years past, such as slavery, Jim Crow laws, separate equal, but equal schools, etc. Still, these advances are incomplete. Data on some social and economic welfare show disparities between many persons of colors. You know, unemployment rates are listed here. Well, uh, median wealth for white households. Um, Minority ownership rates. And what it does here, which is interesting to me in the article, is it lists existing problems. It doesn't list, it says systemic racism. It says that there are people who live in America, and I guess if you're calling America a system, that are disadvantaged. And it's disproportionate towards blacks, um, black Americans, than it would be to uh, white Americans. The thing that it doesn't say is that last one says the why. It, it does. It lists Americans. Americans, Africans, Latinos, and Native Americans as well. Disproportionately affected through, through every stage of criminal justice system, despite the evidence that different racial and ethnic groups commit crimes at roughly the same rates. And so I guess that's where I would branch off and say, okay, so I feel like our society's made, our culture, at least in the United States, has made some steps, some big ones. In fact, so much so that it's almost gotten to to a reverse racism where we're favoring and and demanding that we make sure that these ethnic groups are put in certain places whether or not they're qualified or not just like we've said about women at one time or another so there's been some movement that direction but the other piece of that is that hasn't it been in proportionate to the you know like for instance if um we, we were hearing statistics about the uh, ones who have been unarmed, ones who have been shot, and seems proportionate to me to black versus white, people un- unarmed, criminals that approach police officers and get, you know, uh, get accused or, or assumed that they're a threat. I just, I guess either I'm sheltered enough to think that it's not as out of proportion as it seems, or it's... Uh, hidden places that maybe I think what's hard for me is I know as a country we've made large strides as our spoken statements at least to try to to curb that to know that that is been been historical in our, our country whatever we I think of all nations of the world have made um almost uh and I, I guess I would accuse us almost of in in uh, grandiose manners, you know, making statements of huge apologies and huge whatever, different groups, to make sure that we're making statements on all sides, that this is not who we want to be or what we want to be. And yet right now, to me, 
the victims then turn to, well, what about police officers who are now as a whole accused of being this way or, um, you know, groups and like you and I almost made to feel like we need to feel guilty because obviously it's still out of whack. I'm, I'm concerned about those angles. I was even talking about a second ago how they're talking about making sure that the Confederate flag can be banned. Like uh, I was hearing on the news from the, uh, I think it'd be the racetracks the, with the national, what is it? The racing federation, whatever it is. NASCAR. What they call NASCAR. <clears throat> yeah, I know you're not a NASCAR Anyway, fan. I just forgot the name. But I mean, I agree that we are, do not stand for slavery. We do not stand for separation of any type of hindrance of one or another ethnic culture to be, you know, less than allowed the same rights under the Constitution that we have. Can I? However, to ban those kinds of things means also to deny that that's part of our history and to say that we haven't come as far as we have, I think. Yeah. So that's what I have struggled with. But you yeah. use the word we, and I want to, I want to be clear. What you, what are you, when you say the word we, what do you say we don't stand for? Are you speaking about you and me? Are you speaking about our founding fathers intentions? Are you speaking about, you know, what, because I think that's going to be some of where the dialogue is at right now. Well, country. we, you know, right now there's this whole, you know, right now in the, in the rage narrative that's out there, because it's, this is, it, it's the police, everyone, it's, they make it sound like every police person ever is systemically racist. Now, if you push back with them in one-on-one -on -one situations, they're going to say, well, that's not what we're saying, but that's what's being stirred up. And that's what the news is saying. That's what everybody's up and broiled about. Um, which immediately puts, you know, uh, my brother-in-law and um, is a police officer. And so, right. you know, and, uh, you know, we'd, I'd love to sit down with Rob and see what he's thinking about all this. And maybe mm -hmm. we can do that. But um, well, and maybe that's what I mean. We to me, we means those of us who kind of live on a regular basis, not not seeing it in front of our face, but a, believing we know what our country stands for. And so maybe just like has been said, I am not of that ethnic, um, of any of those that would have at one point or another felt an offense or a, a hindrance because of my race or my color or my whatever. But I, as an American, believe that we as Americans have the same opportunities. I do know that it gets hindered by some, like, like I said, I mean, really, you could say that of women at times in our country. And in flat, and in fact, um, Right after emancipation, the black men got to vote before women got considered to vote. So I think there's there's something to be said about all of us at one point or another have felt whatever pushed back, pushed aside, you know, considered less than whatever. If we want to take that stance, if we want to stay in that mantra, however, there we as we I guess we as Americans are are not to accept that that's who we are. We're to, you know, believe in, in. There's a hyper focus right now. And whenever a crisis happens or whenever someone, an injustice is done, it tends to be a hyper focus on the injustice. Yeah. And I think when you and I, and part of this is just our worldview. Um, I think, you know, as, as followers of Jesus, you know, we were told to think on whatsoever is good, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is just think on these things. I, challenged us right. on Sunday that we should um, ask ourselves, how can we bring those values to the conversation right now? When really, if you walk into a crowd and you are um, not of color, you know, me, I'm of color. I'm, I mean, literally with, I'm a white haired white guy is just, you know, I guess I'm the stereotypical dangerous person out there apparently. Um, <clears throat> but no, you're the privileged. Well, and the privileged thing is, it's another thing because I was, I was, I was listening to somebody earlier, and they were talking, they were telling a story about how someone saw them in a certain environment and assumed that they weren't who they were because they seemed out of place to them. It was a black, it was a black guy, and he said they assumed that he was, you know, filling in rather than had the job. And I thought to myself, well, that's Portland. Portland is seventy five percent white, um, so I guess it's a little odd to see any ethnicity that's you know mm -hmm. is going to be kind of a little different yeah. um but where Except i grew Portland up in atlanta about being weird so well when i grew up <laughs> yeah exactly it is a little weird i grew up in no, atlanta. I said they, they brag so i think that's funny 
That's true. I, I, um, where I grew up in Atlanta, it's, um, it's only 60% white and it's, and it's four else. Well, and it's, excuse me, it's 55% white. It's 45% ethnicity. And, and the largest majority of that's black. I grew up in a world where it was not odd for me at all to see people in those kinds of positions. It's just, I, it would never enter my mind to assume that person. Like you belong. said, you had a bunch of teachers or whoever would have been just yeah. of well and the funny thing about that is because atlanta i think is one of the bigger smushing melting pot type places because there's all kinds of ethnicities and even but including um obviously in the south a lot more of um the uh black skin whatever but the bottom line is there there is division areas based on the people you interacted with um but Atlanta, because it's an urban area, tended to be less, right? So where we lived in Macon, it was a little bit more. There was definitely some separation. There was, there, there was, was the what I always said, a kind of a, yeah. yeah there, but I mean, it was, it was difficult because there was an actual communication barrier. And I think that's a lot of times what ends up happening. It gets interpreted as racism, but a lot of times it's more that because there's cultural differences, because there's a little bit of chosen segregation because we choose our own kind to live around. I mean, that just happens naturally. There's there becomes a communication barrier, and in the South it's even more extreme. I think just because of the accents and the the differences in the uh, linguistics, whatever it might be. But the bottom line is it has grown so that it may be perceived more than it is. I think is what I feel like when I was there, living there, I could see the differences, but I could see in the the doctor's office I worked for, it was very much a mixed. Uh, you know, kind of patient load was completely mixed. There was no yeah over whatever. That was making. But when people would come in and I could hear and see the differences, I would talk to, say, a white lady behind the desk and interpret what she was saying or, you know, understand what she was saying. And then I would hear out maybe across the way a patient come in that was black that couldn't, literally couldn't understand each other. The, the literal words they used were different. They couldn't. Yeah communicate i always felt like i was trying to stand in the middle and go well she just said this you know is this okay oh yeah yeah that'd be good i mean as soon as they understood each other it was a it was a um more of a even playing field yeah so i think it's interesting that you just finished up the pentecost uh um sermon how you uh, made the reference that it was as if it reversed the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was when the languages were separated. And I think it was when God, you know, said, well, here, there's going to be many races now. There's going to be many different languages. You're going to go off and do your own thing. You're going to have your cultures, your own, you know, spots in the world or whatever. And you're going to grow in differences. Yeah. Well, it was on purpose because God said that he didn't want us rising above him. He didn't want us seeing ourselves as God. So here we go again, trying to, to me, trying to, I was reading a, uh, something, uh, some sort of devotion this morning that made me think about that. And it was the, the idea of quote unity. Um, maybe it was on the Tim Keller one, how, um, unity isn't what we think of because God didn't really want us to be unified. Not in that way, not to make ourselves God. To be unified in thought and understanding. That's our babble way. Yeah. yeah. That we are able to hold ourselves together on our own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To be compassionate toward others, to be understanding of their plight, to be realistically putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. Absolutely. But not unified in the sense that we can conquer the world and no one's, you know, because for one thing, it's, it's not possible. We're not capable of being actually at peace with each other that's just not unless we have jesus we have no we we truly do have no pl real peace so between us to have a god that we serve um that we come together and and under him have a unity because we're one under him that's the goal and that to me that speaks louder and bigger than our skin colors or our that's cultures right. or our right. um angles in life you know or even our uh, we've said it's more tends to be more of a uh, status. What's the word I'm looking for? Class. Class struggle. Struggle rather yeah. than actually, I think. Well, to see the you're saying, so to see the playing color. field, even it's it's less about um, color, language, whatever. It's about seeing things equal. Um, 
seeing one another, seeing a human being before you see an ethnicity. Yeah, seeing God's child and, before and, you see. You know, I was watching uh, the video, 60 Minutes throwback, Martin Luther King Jr. interview, 1963. And he makes the argument in the video um, when he's asked, um, <clears throat> excuse me, about uh, how is uh, racism in the United States unique or racism against black Americans unique. And he, and it was interesting because it crossed my mind today that um, as I was talking to a, uh, a friend of mine of, of uh, Cambodian descent, that, um, that this wasn't actually terribly true, but it was probably more true in 1963 when our culture wasn't quite as um, having a third, because uh, we have uh, three major groups. We've got Asian groups, we've got African groups, and we've got Anglo groups. That's the groups that you see. And well, and you can, um, you can add in Palestinian and the you know well, Jewish and culture Latin. and Latin, but those those groups they still there's still a very similar appearance between three oh. major visuals, I guess. And so anyway, King's argument was he said in most ways racism exists. Yes, he says, but if you're um, Italian, you're um, it's not evident on the color. He says you can affect your voice or change the way you look or dress to fit into a thing. He says a black man, he says is black and he can't change his appearance. He says the fact that black men tried to lighten their skin or look different so that they could somehow be accepted in white society. He says it's just there's just nothing we can do to change who we are. The thing is, we that's true of That'd all be true of, of Asian yeah, too, right? That's true. But now and at that time that wasn't the argument in America. So he's making a valid thing that that was that that it was just very evident. This is who this person is, and and I'm, I forgot where I was going because I got so sidetracked in the process of it. But um, but in other words, seeing someone that looks different than you may be the only way you're first going to see someone. The question about that is being asked about. Um, well, I think it's interesting. Latent or uh, unconscious racism is how do you oh. react when you see someone who looks different than you? That's just what funny happens that you... in you hmm. when you see that. And for me, not much really. I, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I, the, I could go into a general, white neighborhood in Atlanta and be just as unsettled as I might be going into a different ethnicity where I, where I grew up. If it there's just, bars on the doors. See, I'm yeah, not going to look at the color of the skin. I'm going to look at the bars, on the, bars on the doors. Yeah. Is, is there a lot of broken windows? <laughs> um, hmm. But our children have made the point that they've lived in so many different areas, too. That's genuinely true for them. I, I believe they really don't see color of skin or assume things about a person because of the the outward appearance they really have learned like i just said really they might know a dangerous area of a a city or something an area we avoid but usually have having to do with gang activity usually has to do with vandalism or those kinds of things that bars on the windows that show danger but not because of a, a particular color of skin now there may be some cities in this united states where that is true but most of it is about the way you're raised to, to and I, I believe with all my heart that I was raised to see people as humans and yeah. literally as God's children. So that, that brings so me to the question I was going to ask We pass you. that on to our kids because our, – and our kids don't have any kind of – that's, that's what their view of the world is. And I, and I do believe that it – I think it taints what they see. And then when this kinds of things come up, they don't understand it because it doesn't apply to them. There are definitely, well, this is what I was going to say about the flag. When I see a Confederate flag, all I really do is think of history and this, the Civil War. I think of that historical moment. Yeah. It does not come to my mind. It does not represent, I don't even think, which is funny because I guess because I didn't really grow up in a Southern state. It does not represent the South to me, even. It represents a time in history. And I think that's only because I know of the different flags and some of their different um, uniqueness and how we've kind of gone back and forth and we designed it this way. And then for a while that we designed it this way. I know with people with genuine uh, relating to that, the Southern whatever, it might bring up some weird things. I don't know. I, I still wouldn't think it would bring up, oh, yes, you know, we love that time in our history where we had slaves. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that being really true, not in this day, maybe... 30 years ago. I don't know. There was, I mean, the thing is, the, the question is, how many generations is it going to take Well, until we are, until that particular racism? Because I want to yeah. be clear, racism has existed since the dawn of time. Exactly. It isn't going away. Yeah. It's just in America, our particular racism, 
was um is is comes out of uh, comes out of us having owned slaves and thanks to um abolition beginning in england and waving over in america and the way our our founding documents were written so our founding documents were literally written so that it would be impossible for slavery to persist in america and that's why civil war erupted so um all the way up to the fact that now when we had world war ii it was not about black people they were um anyone who looked like they were japanese was interred Mm -hmm. And my friend today um, was saying to me, you know, my parents came out of Cambodia and they sat me down when COVID-19 broke out and said, be careful because people are judging us because we look like the people who brought the disease to the country. Mm-hmm. So just just three weeks ago, Asian Americans were being persecuted somewhere, not in my household, not in our community that I saw, but in some parts of our country it was happening. And so racism isn't going away. Systemic racism in the sense that if it's in our human system, absolutely. I think we're all systemically racist somehow, some way, unless <laughs> something has intervened in us to change that. Yeah. And I have an idea what it needs to be in everyone. And <laughs> well, I'm going to stick to that. And that's what I was kind of getting at that um I keep losing my thought that the idea no i just um the idea that that there is pain and hurt in so many different people from different angles the problem is if we under if we think we know what that is and we're we're a- able to blame something that's outside of ourselves um but but means that we don't have to deal with it because like you're saying or I think what you're alluding to obviously is that it's usually inside ourselves it's it's from it's from something to me that's inborn in us because Adam and Eve decided to go their own way in the garden and go mm-hmm. right against God's plan for them so because of the injustice that they immediately deemed was God's fault basically you know oh well he, uh, Satan says, well, surely you won't die if you do, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're already kind of mad at, well, this is an injustice. It means that we'll never really understand what true justice or injustice really is because God in his great mercy allows us to live and keep um, calling out to him for grace and mercy that we'll kind of never understand. So basically... I think we're saying that's exactly what we're saying. Ultimately, there's no way for us to get rid of every bit of sinfulness no, in our hearts. I most likely have more more racism towards the neighbors that are can be um, annoying yeah. <laughs> and have their opinions thrust down my throat more oftentimes and not want to take the time to get to know them because mm-hmm. I perceive them a certain way. And I'm, some of the neighbors around us don't want to get to know us because they have racist okay. points of view towards us. I don't think I would call that racism. Wouldn't would you, you call, call that prejudice though, right? Well, it's Which prejudice, yeah. same idea. I guess you're it's right. Because racism is specifically to a cultural group, whereas prejudice- Yeah, it sounds like it. So it's, you know, racism is a form of prejudice. Yeah. Because um, a prejudice is just a prejudgment before you really okay, know. Okay, so here's my question right? I wanted to ask you a minute ago. Um, this last week, we sat down with some other churches in the area, and we did a live stream prayer event and conversation, and it was good and all that kind of stuff. And even the um, one one part of the prayer I kind of was like, took pause with, um, was reposted <laughs> by my friend, my pastor friend this week. Um, and uh, I want to ask you, what to what extent is corporate apology or corporate confession makes sense. In other words, um, we know that all of Israel stood um, in in the scripture in several places and confessed corporately as a people. I'm sure there were some people in that people group that were righteous and didn't have issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some things that happened here. And this, some of the church, the church's response right now has been a corporate, we are all, because we are white right now, <laughs> Um, we are ignorant of the plight of the black man. And therefore, because we are white and ignorant, we confess together. Whereas all of us may not be. As a matter of fact, some of the people well, that are out there marching are more ignorant of the plight of the white black man. Than, I mean, are more. Well, I'm going to. I'm not sure. I'm just going to say, where, where does that fit? Does it what fit? I'm what is it? Like what are we, we can dealing with? Say, yeah. You started that with where you're kind of ignorant of the plight of or whatever. There's a, there's a book, a children's book. Um, that's they're famous for i don't know the line uh um 
don't judge a man until you walk in his shoes or something like that. There's a... Don't judge a man until you walk in his moccasins. Maybe that's not what I'm... Yeah. It's the old Indian version of it. Well, that's what I was going to say, but I thought it came from... Anyway, I don't know the source, but... It does make sense to me that we can admit to not understanding someone else's plight. But the bottom line is that's just, that's across the board. I can't even really understand your pain. I've gone through some of it with you and still wouldn't know what's, what you're dealing with, you know. Um, Definitely not knowing what you, as a child, what you dealt with growing up as a child. Anyway, the problem with putting that on a race or or saying that about a race, we can, we can make the statement and we can be compassionate toward that. I cannot understand what you go through as this race or that race, you know, that. But what I have a hard time with is, can we, um, and so we can say, even in a prayer to God, help me, help me understand, help me, you know, um, have compassion, help, uh, Lord, I am guilty of not, um, getting outside of my own self and, uh, feeling with them or something, you know, you, you can, I have a hard time with, like you're saying, with the sort of corporate confessions, because the only thing I know we can do as a a complete nation is confess to God that we haven't gone to him. So as far as repentant of our treatment of each other, well, we we can say some things, but I don't know that it always... Yeah, and as Christians, I think at least we're in the right track. We're kneeling before God. I mean, right now in our culture, people are kneeling before... One race is kneeling before another race to confess sins to the... And it's one thing to humble yourself before another human being, but so I'm, I'm, a, I'm concerned about these mass kneelings and chanting and, you know, it's, it's just gotten yeah, kind well, of really weird okay. out there. And like you've said before, some of it is nice and symbolic and everything but how much of it actually will change a heart last and yeah. change heart yeah well before god maybe so people before will people, kneel before you when they're afraid it, of you it's more of a that's what i was gonna say yeah so i i have a hard time with um making confessions or they use the word repentance the other day um which sorry about repentance that. is is dramatic in my mind it's it's a deep thought it's something that I need to literally completely turn around and go the other way. So if I'm going to repent of something, I have to know that I'm going the wrong direction in this. God has shown me I have not been walking this way. I've got to go around, you know, go the other way. That's what I think repentance is. It's a, it's a, a change, true, complete behavior, change yeah. of heart. Direction. So, um, yeah, and of direction. So I have a hard time with those kind of prayer when they ca- when I cannot see that in myself i appreciate that we're saying that as a nation but that's not true like i was saying earlier about our nation yeah i know what our constitution states i know how hard hard we've fought to get rid of almost to an extreme almost to going too far at times of to get rid of those kinds of attitudes so i don't see when when i don't feel like god's brought that to my attention i can't repent of it i don't feel like that's so the word repentance is the one I have problems with. Um, I don't have a problem with, in a confession, uh, confessing what I should be, you know, letting God, uh, agreeing with God, I, I believe we should be compassionate toward our brothers. I believe we should, you know, seek to understand their plight, seek to, uh, to um, well, the Bible says to love my neighbor as myself, those kinds of things. But, But the word repentance is what I had a hard time with. Um, because repentance, again, it's just a heavy concept to me. I want, I want to know that I'm going to lay down well, my sin. You if you're, know? if you're repenting, for example, in this culture right now, and right now we're saying we're supposed to repent for systemic racism. I can't, I can't repent for the system. Yeah, I'm not. Exactly. When it comes to the, I'm not a police officer. Now, maybe, <laughs> maybe our brother-in-law, maybe Rob could say, you know, I've known some cops. And maybe I've, and I'm, I'm going to be real clear, Rob, that I know of has never done this, but maybe one police officer could say about another police officer, I've seen things that I should have stepped in on and I need to ask maybe, God's forgiveness yeah. for that. And yes, your forgiveness for not doing that. My, but my that's, but again, that's a personal, the the that's doubt, a personal thing. Of, mm-hmm. Now, are there systems out there that exist that enable um, racism to go unchecked? Do you think? And that's because I, I keep getting, I'm hung on systemic racism a little bit because I'm going, yeah, I mean, they're, but they're, I, I guess the answer to that question is yeah, I, sure. What, what are they? And as soon as I change one law, there, there's another law that's going to be created that winds up 
yeah, see, I defeating don't, that. I can't accept like. that. I don't believe there is. And I guess I, I need to be shown it. Because it, as a system, again, what I said, our, and like you said about our Constitution, and as I have said in our our nation and, and the big different, maybe even big groups of people, we've made huge steps to make sure that's not a part of our system. So whether or not it's individuals in the system, that's different. But it, if, as far as written into a system, it is yeah. not written into our police code to make sure that we're targeting ethnics. Good <laughs> right. grief. I don't, I don't understand that. I said ethnics, races, whatever, different. No, ethnics, that's fine. That's not. But, Ethnical and I groups, would know that upstanding groups. citizens and, and upstanding police officers like Rob, that is not at all in their minds. They're they're out to get the criminal. They're out to, they're not they're out out to protect. To get, yes, they're, they're out, out to, to protect. They're out to take care, to serve. They're out to protect people of all race, manners, and forms. <laughs> they're, they're out to look for the one who's harming someone else, no matter what they look like. And they're out to be, um, set an example of what keeping the law and justice is supposed to be in our nation. And I yeah. believe, you know, I would, I would even go to say 90 to 95% of our police officers, that's their heart, their genuine, uh, I, I guess I go too far if I say heart, but their genuine approach. Um, there's definitely some bad ones, but there, there's bad, uh, attitudes, bad training, bad, whatever, um, actions in any place in our country in any place in our society in any place in culture there's there is because it's sin we're humans we're sinful so no matter whether you um are called to uphold the law or to be you know the justice there's bad judges we know that that's took taken our country down worse than anything at times well, and that's one of judges the things... who can be bribed in fact the bible talks about that ones who can be bribed or ones who can be well so that to me is a systemic problem if we don't well, find things, it and quelch it but i was telling you i mentioned you know, i was listening to another podcast earlier about with a black and white uh, pastor having a conversation and the um the, the the black pastor said he said systemic racism is is a problem he says one thing and he went out and says we don't stand up and fight for the lives of black babies that are taken that are murdered every year and he talked mm -hmm. about the the sin of abortion yep. um which is literally murdering black children before and it they is ever born. higher hundred thousand children last year black children mm -hmm. were killed in the womb higher, before they had a chance to come to life and to come and Some live in this world. Sure. And um and so, you know, there's there's other things. And I think this is a this is a core problem that I'm dealing with. We have a particular worldview, um, you and I. And when I read the underscoring statements under certain groups, and I'll I don't have no problem I do kind of Black Lives Matter for example. I can't say a phrase right now because of the phrase has become so associated with, with a things. group that clearly stands against. One of the main things it stands against is the nuclear family. It says mm -hmm. that we reject well, the, the idea that a family should needs to require this and it's necessary. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's not the what the Bible thing, teaches. Right? And, I, and, I, and my foundation comes from scripture. I have a harder time with, like you just talked about abortion. I have a harder time with making that statement, Black Lives Matter. But that's not necessarily true. When I want to say they don't seem to. I yeah. want to say all Black Lives Matter, all White Lives Matter, all. I want to add the all in there because Black Lives Matter, even if you're unborn, they matter even if you're an oppressed group or if you're a rich um, one who's leading a country. I've seen more criticism even from Black people to men like um, uh, Car Ben Carson because. Because he, he happens to have, yeah. well, yeah, and because he happens to have some, um, whatever it might be, fame, fortune, whatever, based on his hard work to be a neurosurgeon. Oh my yeah. gracious! <laughs> but they, but they chastise themselves in that. And so what I'm, what I'm saying is, it's not true. The statement yeah. they make isn't true. Like you, you're saying. Well, and I, I will say this about the whole about, game. I'm sorry. Well, the whole it just doesn't cover the whole thing. I guess I'll say this: that's true. Is that the Bible is very clear about those who would use their power to oppress um, people and to oppress the people. And I think it's almost a bigger crime when you when you say you're an advocate for someone, and then you act in manners that actually destroys them yeah. those people. Even right now, and I realize this is a time of anger and difficulty but there's been 19 people as of today who've died in the riots disproportionately black to white 
it does does and they're and they're not police killings they're just random people who have who have been who've died because i mean right today um a young black man was indicted and stood before a judge for murdering uh, a, another black man who was merely um standing out in front of his his pawn shop trying to protect them from doing it. and he murdered him shot him several times and let him bleed to death on camera gracious and um and you know and so evil that's what i guess i'm trying to say and then the black police officer who was or the retired police officer who was just laid in the street why how does that accomplishing a retired police officer um what is that how is that accomplishing anything what is going on with that and why why do some lives matter than others that's exactly what i I was reading this morning and um and i and i wisdom there's two kinds of wisdom out there. there's wisdom of the world and and that's just Wisdom that comes from again your own thing, and there's wisdom that comes from from God, and I and I love this verse, verse thirteen, James three says, "Who is wise and has understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct and with wisdom's gentleness." And that hung me right there. I said, "Wisdom is gentle. It's not violent. It doesn't destroy. Rage is violent." And um and when you go on it says but if you have a bitter envy in other words you want something someone else has and it doesn't matter what it is and if you have selfish ambition in others I want to rise to the top then in your heart don't don't pretend like that's not true don't brag and deny the truth that wisdom does not come from above but it's earthly and spiritual and demonic and then it says this for where envy and selfish ambition exist there's disorder, disorder. and every kind of evil. evil and I feel like I'm yeah. seeing more of that right now. Then I'm seeing of gentle wisdom. And we need to be able to sit down as a culture mm-hmm. and have conversations that are gentle. That when I sit across the table from my black brothers or sisters, and, and, and I want to say this real clear, in the community of Jesus, that's my experience. Yeah. When I sit down with my black brothers or sisters, we have a expressed, as you started this conversation off with today, a level ground that puts us all together. So we look across one another, there may be some hardships that my brother has faced that I haven't faced. And he may need me to come alongside him and pray them. But I love that person and I care about that person. And Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to see the best for them. That's gentle. That's, I can take them in when they're suffering and I can, and I can, and struggling and I can show them comfort and compassion. I can stand by their side. If If the opportunity arrives and I need to stand up with my brother, I can do that. But you can't do it in mass anger and violence. It, it's, it may get a fearful response, which I'm sorry, but right now what I see out there is fearful response. I don't see people saying, we want to make changes to help the black community. I see people going, oh no, what do I need to do? I'll give $100,000 to this organization. This company will give over here. Because if, they, if I don't, they'll destroy me more. <laughs> I hope that's and, and that's true. fearful response. Genuine, that's not genuine change. I hope there's some genuine, and I do believe there are some people that would that would apply to them. I do think it's not the majority, but um, but there's there's definitely probably some changes that can be made. The problem is it's not likely going to get there qu- quicklier, <laughs> quicklier with the demanded uh, approach, and that's I think what you're saying too. That, the violence and the because people are still going to be looked over and because it's not about actually caring for people it ends up being about a selfish ambition or a uh, an envious or or just a greed of some type i heard i read that this morning that greed um i read in proverbs i think that greed causes brings about violence and it's like oh my gosh if that's not true i don't know what is i need to look that up and see what it was but Greed. Um, I'm not sure what the. Hang on. I was reading too this morning. Um, the passage I referenced on Sunday, what it says. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Jesus is talked about in Isaiah. It says, "I put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not take. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully." bring justice. And I love this. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on the earth. And to me, that phrase is saying that God is at work and he is going to bring justice. And the thing that is the most sad thing to me 
is Jesus gave us his spirit so that we as believers can be heaven touching earth. We should be as believers. And I realize believers have done dumb things too, because believers are still people. Mm-hmm. But as a, as a, as a, anyone who's in touch with the heart of God should be wanting to bring the gentle wisdom of God to touch another life. And Jesus is, it says that he is not going to break a bruised reed and he's faithfully bringing justice. Well, guess what? We are the ones who he is wanting to use to bring justice faithfully to the earth and do it in such a way that we don't break bruised reeds. And I I mentioned that on Sunday too. So some of what we're dealing with right now in this hostile time is there's a lot of bruised reeds out there. Hmm. And I want to be real clear that my heart is not to break a bruised reed. I want to be clear to say, here is who I am and I care about you. And I, and I think we want to would say that, but we don't want to come up and just say, this is the problem. When it's not, yeah. I don't want to say police are the problem. There are bad people in police. Thank God, there's more good ones than bad ones. Yeah, absolutely. So we need to find the bad ones, and will training help? You can train a bad person all day long, and he's still going to be bad. So you need to be able to vet those things out. Um, do the police want more training? Yes. Well, defunding the police isn't going to pay for training. Yeah, exactly. So you, you've got to, you know, there's that anyway. And it depends. Again, America's so, gosh, there's so many things. America's so big. It's mm-hmm. You have to be able to look like I, I was an Atlanta boy. I was raised in the heart of the South. I saw racism mm-hmm. as a little boy. I saw it in my family. I saw it yeah. in, um, in the way people talk to one another. But I also saw what it was like to just kind of be together with other people of other races and not really thinking much of it. They were terrible people, but I, I <laughs> well, was just the thing for me. But when you come up part, out here where it's in the middle of the Northwest, where we are now, where there's not a huge percentage of black people. I remember when we were in Iowa and someone called me and said they wanted to come down to the Friendship Center when I was working down there to see a black person. <laughs> Ugh, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no, we don't give tours of the <laughs> Friendship Center so you can see someone who doesn't look like you. I didn't say it quite that way at the time, but I thought that was the strangest phone call I ever got. Well, and there was genuine. We, we struggled with that even in the landlord we had that. That we know has. Oh some, yeah, same time. Some evil in her, but um, in I, Iowa. Is, now that's not Georgia. That right, was Iowa. That was Iowa. Yeah. And they didn't it want us worse, bringing black worse. kids out to that property. Yeah. I know we've been there. You and I have experienced it. But we also had some uh, illegals that were downtown that were Spanish speakers, and and they were as to me as persecuted um, in that situation. Yeah, there was sure. all kinds of ethnic. Um, so yes, out foreigners exist in, in a America. sense. Yeah. Um, this is what I read this morning. Proverbs twenty eight twenty five says, "A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts the Lord will be enriched." Yeah. And then the beginning of this chapter is, um, "Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely." So I think the bottom line is that justice. Again, we won't be able to approach justice from our perspective as people. It's only God that really knows and can understand and give us the wisdom to know what justice looks like. So the more we demand it, probably the less it's actually going to happen. That's the problem too. To let God be who God is and to worship him is ultimately the goal and and it's ultimately our best posture because then we are one that it has been said we're it's level at the cross and we all are, humbled before God's righteousness, knowing that we do not have any of our own, then all, we all become one, one um, people, one nation, one holy priesthood under his name. Anyway. I am so thankful that um, God cleansed my heart from and protected me from seeing other people through hateful eyes. Um, I, there are people in this world, I've Absolutely. met them and, and that, that don't, uh, my salvation didn't come till I was a late teenager. I'm, I'm the, the fuller understanding of my salvation didn't come till I was a late teenager. And the church that I was raised in was a Southern Baptist church. And, mm-hmm. and there has history in those churches. And there were people that went to those churches who didn't think highly of people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised in a family where it was the jokes that were told around the table and those kinds of things. And I'm thankful that God protected me from all that. They never had to. Um, they never caused me to have a way of seeing people as different in a way that would make them less than I was because Jesus 
brought my eyes clear, kept, keeps my eyes clear to see that those things. And what you're saying is, is true there. And I, I don't know. I just, I'm thankful. And I just, I want to be a peacemaker um, and not a, someone who stirs it up. And right now living in a culture where you're not even sure what you can say without um, fear of someone smacking you down. Um, so today you and I have been talking and we've said some things and I don't know if we've said something that would cause someone to turn it off. I guess if they turned it off, then thanks for listening as long as you did, um, but you didn't hear because you turned it off. Right. Um, but, uh, anyway, anything else you want to add? Uh, we've been at this for almost an hour. Um, you were reading a little bit of that, but I want to, why don't we end with that one? I, Yahweh have called you for a righteous purpose and I will hold you by your hand. I will keep you and appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations in order to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. I am Yahweh. That is my name. And I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Amen. Enough said. <laughs> Thanks, Tanya, for sitting down with me. Thank whoever's out there listening uh, mm -hmm. for bearing through this conversation um, that we've struggled through to try and um, at least express our hearts <laughs> toward these things. I don't think there's, yeah. Only God has the answers, and right. and we're going to hold on to that and believe that, and we're going to actively love everyone we know and meet as best we um, can. As best yes. we can, um, and we're going to mess that up now and again, <laughs> but yeah. it won't be because we don't love you. I think uh, Ulysses S. Grant said it's not a matter of the heart. If I if I'm if I'm wrong in my decision, it is not a matter of the heart, but of the mind. <laughs> and um, and that was a decision that he made about sending reinforcements at one point but it was it just stuck with me that so oftentimes you know our hearts our, our brains get in the way of our of our hearts and uh, so forgiveness exists that we can look past that and thank you those of you out there who forgive us anyway every day and that's all we got and take care I keep on